Hi there! You're about to listen to a vintage episode of the Under the Microscope podcast. While the content is still as relevant and as interesting as when it was recorded, our webpage has changed. You can now find us at thesciencetalk.com slash real-scientist-nano. Welcome to Under the Microscope. This series is brought to you by the Real Scientists Nano team. Our goal is to provide a platform where scientists can communicate their work and interact with the public. With that in mind, every week we introduce you to a scientist working in the field of materials and nanoscience, who would be curating the RealSci underscore nano Twitter account. Hi everyone, today we have with us Robert Kostov, who is a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Oslo in Norway. Hi Robert, how are you? Hi Parati, I'm fine. And you? I'm good. I want to know more about your research and your experiments and everything. Um, so let's start with uh, talking about your scientific journeys. So how did you end up in as a postdoc now uh, in, in Norway? Tell us. Yeah. So um, I would probably have to start back in my studying days. So I studied physics in Germany, in Leipzig. It's a beautiful, vibrant city in uh, the eastern part of Germany, not very far from Berlin. Um, huge student community there. A lot of young people, a lot of uh, interesting, cool stuff going on, concerts and um, clubs and everything that one can wish for under normal circumstances, not pandemic ones, of course. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I studied physics uh, in my bachelor's and in my master's. Um, and I got into touch with semiconductor physics quite early on. So I, um, I did my bachelor's thesis on um, defects in semiconductors. Um, and then the nice thing about semiconductor physics is that you really have such a huge, it, it's, it's a huge field, right? So you have so many different aspects and so many different, different devices. You can go into theory, you can do um, solar cells and LEDs, and, and you can really, um, yeah, it's, it's a really versatile material class. And so is the amount of devices that you can work on. And then in my master's, I became interested in solar cells. So I could um, go into industry and do my, my uh, master's thesis there. I um, had a really nice one and a half years uh, in industry working with uh, CIGS, copper, indium, gallium, disenite solar cells. Um, really interesting time, but I also realized I want to do more uh, basic research and then went back to uni for my PhD, um, which I then did on transparent um, active devices, so mainly solar cells um, and a couple of others. Um, and yeah, so I it was a long time. I, I, I took five and a half years for my PhD. Um, and then I finished in 2018 and just, you know, wrapped up a few things uh, that uh, were still open, some papers to be written. And then I decided it was time to move on and found a really, really nice position here in Oslo, um, which is a, yeah, a postdoctoral research fellow is what it's called. So, um, I'm a full-time researcher, so I don't, uh, I don't do any teaching. I do full research. Um, and yeah, so the, the position here is uh, also on defects. So I work with uh, the functionalization of defects in semiconductors under different aspects. And I have a lot of um, freedom here, so I can really choose 
my focus really well. So it's that's really, really nice about my current position. And it looks like I'm going to be here for another year or year and a half. So that's my current status.
Yes, of course. Um, so there's actually one that I, I can come up with. So um, I mentioned this um, phase that I had in Leipzig after my uh, thesis was done. So um, one of the materials I worked with a lot during my PhD is a nickel oxide. So the oxide of the metal nickel, um, which is really versatile, uh, which I will be talking about uh, in the upcoming week. Uh, but it's also very challenging material in a lot of senses. So to understand its properties uh, is something that people have been looking at for decades, but in a lot of cases not really figured out yet. Um, and one of the central questions that uh, people look at in semiconductors is uh, so-called electronic transport. So how do electrons in a material uh, move from A to B, basically. Um, and there's a surprising number of, of processes that actually can move uh, an electron from A to B. It's, uh, it can be quite, quite, yeah, a lot of different ways. Um, and in nickel oxide, the literature that I could find uh, when I was writing my thesis was not, was not really conclusive at all. So there was a lot of different models being used. Um, and they would also um, contradict each other in parts. And then the models they would use were maybe uh, just would work in certain temperature ranges and then not in others. And I was really, really unhappy with this. Um, and after I finished up, I decided, okay, I wanna do a project. I wanna do a study on this. Um, and I was, this was the first project that, that I more or less did on my, uh, on, on my own without uh, my supervisor being involved. Um, and I found a, um, so I made an experiment and uh, realized that the equipment that we had was not quite what, what I needed. And uh, I found a, um, a group actually by coincidence loca uh, located in the same building. So same un university. Yeah. And there was a professor there who um, had uh, world-class equipment for um, what I wanted to, to do. And then I talked to him and he was really excited about it and offered uh, me that I could use it and we could talk about it and then make a collaboration. And uh, that's what this developed into. So we, um, we ended up doing a lot of really interesting, but also very challenging experiments and discussing a lot. And um, what was fun about this was, was actually that I learned um, because they were not uh, solid state physicists. So they were not dealing with um, matter in the crystal or like in, in, a, in a solid um, a matter, yeah. but they were soft matter physics. So they were more looking at, you know, polymers and maybe also biomatter and stuff like that. Um, and I realized we, we were really using different language. So in the beginning, it was very difficult to, to, to talk to them because we, we just, we, we, we kept, yeah, we, we kept using different terms and then also being a little, you know, um, not really happy with the, the way other, uh, the other uh, person put it. Um, but in the end, we, we really figured out that we were actually talking about the same stuff and that you could learn a lot by just, you know, swapping language and, and try to, to adapt models that people uh, in the other community would use and um, then, you know, learn something new about your system. That, that was really, really fun. Um, and yeah, so the, the collaboration ended up producing two really nice papers. Um, one of them was even selected as a editor's, uh, editor's suggestion, I think was, yeah, uh, was that. Um, and that was really rewarding. Um, and yeah, also what I, what I now find extra rewarding about this is that, so this has been two years now. Um, and by now, several people have, have read the work and also tested our hypothesis on their samples. So um, 
it turns out that we were actually right uh, and that it works uh, even beyond what we uh, what we suggested it for. So that, that is really, uh, yeah, really rewarding. That is really cool. Yeah, I was about to ask you, so did you manage to answer the questions that you, that were confusing you at the beginning of your work and you, you did uh, yes. for other people as well. So that is really cool. I can understand why you picked this project as the one that you're most proud of. Nothing against other projects. I'm sure you love them all equally. Uh, but uh, there's there's differences. I mean, we 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 all have, have our favorites, right? And then you 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 also end up um, uh, picking more projects than you can take on. And then at some point you realize, okay, this is more fun. So I'm going to do this. <laughs> this project will give me more fun. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So it's clear that you love the science aspect uh, or the research aspect of being a scientist. Other than that, other than the research itself, what else do you like about or what else do you love about uh, your life as a scientist? Um, th that's a very difficult question, I have Sorry. to say. Um, so there's a lot I like about it, but I think one of them was already part of my, my previous answer is the collaborative aspect. So, um, when I, um, yeah, so when I, when I came back recently from, from a long period of home office and I, and I came back to the office and people were here and then, um, I was able to talk to them again. And then I realized, okay, um, this is actually what I missed most, uh, talking to others about their research, um, and also at, at some point you just realize, okay, I, I have a certain degree of experience now um, and talking to others, maybe, maybe even others that have even more experience, uh, you will generate input. And this, this really brings everyone forward. Um, and, and I really like how, at least in the environment I'm, I'm working in now, I mean, this is probably not everywhere, uh, but um, I really like that about the academic environment that you have this cross um, um yeah so you you really uh, have have the opportunity to make interdisciplinary work uh, happen um and then talk to other people about their research and uh yeah generate ideas and and that's what i really like about being a scientist i think of collaborations and communication and everything because I think that's very, very important as a scientist, especially in the field of nanoscience and technology, especially today, because there is so much happening. So it's always good to collaborate and so much fun to collaborate. Yeah, well. yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. Um, so um, what advice would you give Okay, there's two ways you can answer it, whichever way you want. What advice would you give yourself if you were to go back in the past and start out? Or what advice would you want to give to scientists who are starting out their research journey today? Do you have some advices that you have gathered in the long, long science career <laughs> you've had so far? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think um, the one that I would tell both myself and probably others too, is that you shouldn't be afraid of talking to people with, with more experience um, and asking them for help. It's, it's really, there's uh, nothing wrong in asking for help. And also most of, most of the people that uh, you will talk to will be more than happy to help you because um, finding out that someone is interested in what you do is normally a really rewarding experience. And 
will just make people happy and happy to help you. So um, don't try to solve problems on your own. If you if you feel that you're stuck, uh, go to go find someone that you can talk to and and really, yeah, um, make them. Yeah, exactly. You will maybe just get your answer, uh, uh, but you will also maybe have the opportunity for a nice collaboration. And um, yeah, of course, then double um, double success. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's it's it sounds that your research experience so far, Robert, has been wonderful, and I hope it will stay to be wonderful and even more better and better it gets every day. However, if you had three wishes to improve your research experience, what would you ask for? And I'm not promising anything. <laughs> yeah, I thought a lot about this. Um, so one of the things that is really, I think, bothering probably most of us is the uh, difficult um, perspective of getting a long-term job, right? So if, if you like lab work, uh, like I do, and if you like doing experiments, um, then there's probably only very few places in the world where you can uh, really um, find a job and then just be sure that this is what you can do. Um, all or most of the, the positions that we find in, in, uh, in research in academia are fixed term. So we always have to live from project to project, uh, from contract to contract, and um, never can be sure what, what will be in three years or in 10 years. Um, and even if you aim for becoming a professor one day, it's definitely not sure that you will. So um, this is probably the hardest thing I can ask for. <laughs> But this would definitely uh, be on top of my list and probably uh, also at this point, the only thing I can mention because this is something that's really bothering me. And I've, I've also re uh, recently realized how, how much this, this plays into mental health. So if you are on a fixed term position and you're really just, uh, you got a position and you have maybe one and a half years or so, you pretty much have to start looking for the next one more or less immediately. Um, and at some point you realize, uh, you know, you don't sleep well at night and uh, you, all, you, all you're thinking about is, is this. And then, yeah, your mood is not the best. And um, yeah, this really, and then once, once the situation is settled and you have, you maybe have the next contract and you're really just, you know, you're, you're free for a while and all of a sudden you're on top of the world. And then really, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's just making me realize that this is, probably what in the long term will might may be driving me out of academia because this is not a permanent uh, solution of course it's not healthy so yeah please please <laughs> i wish i could just say that hey you have it you have it tomorrow robert when you get up you will have a permanent contract research position only whatever you want do that but you know, i uh, i really hope that it is happening um I mean, there, I can completely understand uh, that it plays, it's, it's really heavy on your mental health as well. And you can't really do science as freely and as nicely as you would, because you are always thinking, oh shit, right? one year later, my yeah. contract is going to end. I need to either apply for research funding or I need to move to a different country, different continent, whatever. So it's... Yeah, I mean, this... this 
it takes up energy and uh, really also the the amount of um of potential that we lose in this is is incredible i mean if if people wouldn't have to look for 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 funding but would just be able to do the research we would actually be able to have uh knowledge um that is really in place and we and, and we know okay there's there's this person who can do this technique and they know what they're doing and i can come to them but at some point they might leave right so they their their contract might end and then they leave and then there's no one else or maybe even if there's someone who who takes up that position they will not have the same know-how so we we lose so much knowledge so much potential by just keeping this very unhealthy system so yeah it's uh, it's something that has to change for me personally, I think a better coffee machine in this office space would probably, so the coffee here is terrible, but don't tell anyone. No, I mean, they they all know, they all know. Um, but no, I think apart from that, I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, I also have to acknowledge that, of course, I'm, I'm very privileged to, uh, to be able to do work in a country with uh, high social security and, and good salary and all these things. So um, yeah, I'm... Yeah, That's how it is. Coffee machine. Coffee machine and Robert is happy. And a lot of time <laughs> in the clean room and then Robert is happy. <laughs> well, I hope you get better coffee. Uh, and a <laughs> this has been lovely talking to you about your research and about you as a scientist. Um, before we let you go, though, one last question that I have to ask um, in this unexpectedly unprecedented year that we have lived 2020. Um, we have all learned uh, a few things, unlearned a few things. Um, would you like to share some of your learnings from 2020? <laughs> <laughs> also, again, very difficult. I think I'm, I, I still haven't quite figured it out. So I, uh, we're still in the middle of, uh, of I think of the worst that Norway has ever seen right now. So I am still adjusting. And um, so I think maybe what I have learned from this so far, it might sound a bit cheesy maybe, uh, but um, once this is all over, I think I'll have a different appreciation for things that I can do. So really enjoy stuff that is possible while it is possible um meet friends as often as possible and um Absolutely. you know other yeah make yeah exactly so um i mean i'm i'm kind of lucky here in norway is, is is also a place with uh so much uh nature where you can just go and not meet people so of course mm -hmm. for some this is also very very helpful to to over overcome these uh these um challenges um but yeah, I think, yeah, being able to meet people again and um, yeah, this this will be, this is something that I really, really look forward to and that I will probably have a different different appreciation for afterwards. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that's, it's a but it is absolutely relatable. So thanks for sharing your learnings from 2020. Um, Robert, this has been wonderful. Looking forward to having you on Real Scientist Nano. Thank it you has been time. great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To know more about us, please visit our website realscientistsnano.org. 
and follow us on Twitter at GLSA underscore Lano.